Good morning, everyone. My name is Nicole, and it is my joy to be able to read the Bible for you this morning. But first, let's become before our great God in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you that as we have just partaken of the Lord's Supper, we are reminded of how blessed we are to be part of the family, to be part of the kingdom, to be part of the body of Christ. We thank you so much for the riches that we have in this position that Jesus has won for us, has so freely given for us. And we think of those who are yet to know of him. And we pray, Lord, that as we consider our vision, as we open up your word, and as James preaches to us, you would energize us again for the mission, for the gospel, to share the riches that we have so freely with others. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our reading today comes from the letter to the Colossians. We're in chapter 1, verses 21 to 29. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ, to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. All right. Well, I hope you guys are excited to be uh, back here with the, the kids uh, heading off into Kids Church and all of our stuff kicking off for the term. Like Scott was announcing earlier, there's so much fun stuff happening in the life of our church. And this morning, uh, as Vision Sunday, is really you know, an opportunity for us to maybe learn for the first time or to remind ourselves again what all this stuff that is happening around the place is actually all about, what it's actually meant to be achieving, what we're actually meant to be working towards. And the way that I've been thinking about it is, is a little bit like this. Uh, any, you know, Paint by Numbers fans, you know, where you, you know, you get the picture and you got to color it in and all that. So maybe when you were kids, you know, I'm not saying you were actively doing it right now. I mean, you liked it when you were a child, okay? Just, just easy, all right? Yeah, a few guys here. But have you noticed how these things have gotten more and more complicated? Like now you can get like one of Vincent van Gogh's artwork and reproduce that in like the color by numbers format, okay? And I think that the way 
that our vision and mission statement stuff works and all this sort of thing, it's, it's a little bit like the, the paint by numbers for us. Because Jesus has given us the artwork. All right, we, we're going to look about how we've, we've taken from the scriptures the things that Jesus wants us to do. But the thing is, is that Jesus is the genius, right? He's the savant. He's the one that can paint in a way that none of us actually could. And yet in his scriptures, by giving us a mission, by giving us things that we're meant to be doing, while we'll never be able to do it as brilliantly as what he does, we can do something that at least people look at it and be like, oh yeah, that's like Vincent van Gogh's, you know, star, you know, light stuff. You know, that, that's, that's cool, all right? That's like Rain in the Park by Afrimov. That's like Gustav Klint, The Kiss. That, that's really cool, all right? We can make something that looks like the great artist, even if it's not going to be perfect. And so this, to a certain extent, is the color by number stuff for us, so that we're painting together. Now, again, here's the cool thing. As we're going to see, we can all color in different parts. Some of us are going to be great at shading. Some of us are going to be great at tracing the lines. Some of us are going to be really good with colors. Some of us are going to be good at all sorts of different things. Some of us might just be good at holding the paper in place, okay? But the thing is, is that all of us need to have a common vision of what we're actually trying to achieve. And that's what we're talking about today to kick off the year together, all right? Because all this stuff is designed to give us clarity in what we're doing. The reason that vision, vision, mission, and strategy matter is because they help you provide clarity, and clarity is what everyone wants and needs. It's my assumption that all of us want to do something good together here in this place, but we need clarity, we need a commonality of vision if we're going to do everything that we want to achieve. So our vision gives us clarity on what we want to be, our mission gives us clarity on what we're all about, our values give us clarity about the core beliefs that our vision and value, our mission are built on, and our culture descriptors give us clarity about the patterns of behavior we emphasize as we seek to achieve our vision and mission. Because like I said, that's going to look different from church to church in different ways. So let's jump into this uh, and spend a little bit of time together thinking about all these things. So our vision together is to be an ever-growing community who loves the Lord and each other. That's what we want to be. If people come into this place and we describe these words and say, we're trying to be this, hopefully they'll look at us and say, oh yeah, I see that. That makes sense. That fits with what you guys are doing here in this place. When we talk about ever-growing in number and maturity, we mean that in two, sorry, when we talk about ever-growing, we mean that in two senses, both in number and in maturity. So we see in the early church there in Acts 2, it says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Since the very start of the church, it's been growing. That's what the church is designed to do. It's designed to grow as the gospel is proclaimed and we see more and more people coming to faith in Christ. So we want to be an ever-growing community in the sense of seeing more and more people come to know and love the Lord. But it's also ever-growing in maturity. So it says there in Hebrews, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that leads to death and a faith in God and structure about cleansing rites, the laying of hands, the resurrection of the dead and the eternal judgment and God permitting, we will do so. We want to be seeking to take ourselves forward towards maturity. And when we talk about maturity in a biblical concept, we mean something coming to full growth. Right, often the word that is translated as maturity is also translated as towards perfection. Not in the sense of flawless, always, although it can mean that in certain contexts, but rather the fullness of what a thing is meant to be. 
right? We want to make sure that each of you guys, and I'll talk about this a little bit more in a minute, are pressing on just, but to, but just not just the, the basics of what it means to be a believer, but to the fullness of that. And we do so in a community. Now, community, uh, we trace the, the word back to the, the Latin origin and that sort of stuff, and it talks about being a, a combination of this word con with munis, okay, or, or together service. So when we talk about being an ever-growing community, we're talking about a community that's growing in number and in maturity, and where we have a common service together, which is the service that we render to the Lord. That's what we're about. That, that's what makes us distinct here in this place, because whether you know it or not, you are joined by the same Spirit of Christ to every single believer in all of the world. Everyone in all of the world who believes in Jesus has the Spirit of God leading in him. We could go to Iran, we could go to uh, Germany, we, we could go to Istanbul, we could go anywhere in the world, and if they are a believer in Jesus, we are united to them, but we're not all called to, to serve together in the same place as we are in this local church together. And so we have a local service that we render to the Lord here at Living Church. And we do this while we love the Lord and each other. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Everything that we seek to do as part of a community is either for the Lord or done with love for one another, and that's the shape of what the vision is. Now, I'm going to keep running through all of this sort of stuff. For lots of you guys, this is going to be a familiar sort of reminder. For some of you, it's new. If you'd like to go into this stuff in more depth, you can go back to the YouTube channel and you can see the full series that I've done this over like six weeks at the start of last year. Uh, but if you've got any questions afterwards, you can talk to me about that then also. So our mission is to make Christ-like disciples in Southeast Brisbane and beyond. All right? To make, make Christ-like disciples in Southeast Brisbane and beyond. Because again... We see from the very first days in the early church, they preached the gospel in their context and they won a large number of disciples. That's one reason why we want to make disciples. Number two, this is always a good one. Jesus told us to, okay? Good general rule. If Jesus tells us to do something, we should do that, all right? Jesus, the very last words that he spoke uh, before he ascended into heaven to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching to obey everything I have commanded you. It's the very end of the age. And then finally, because of our love for Christ, Christ's love compels us to see others also come to know Jesus. So that's one part of it. We're going to make disciples in the sense of seeing people come to the faith, proclaiming the gospel. But like I said, making disciples is also about taking people towards maturity. And so as a brief reminder, this is some of the stuff that we started to introduce last year that really fits into this space. But our goal when we make disciples is not just to have them come to faith, to be infants in the faith, and to get the basics right, but then to also see people press on towards maturity. And this is actually a really important one, guys, because here's the thing. If you went to church somewhere, okay, and you saw a bunch of people that were confessing that Christ is Lord, they believed in the death and resurrection of Christ, they had an understanding of repentance and forgiveness of sins, an understanding of eternal judgment, if you like quizzed everyone and they passed all that test, you'd be like, no, it's a good church, it's solid. And what it is, is a good foundation, but really critically, that's not meant to be the end of our journey as believers in Jesus. Okay, again, we've actually got a, a little policy statement on this in the annual congressional meeting report stuff that was published this week that's available on the website if you want to look into this with more and more detail. But all of these things come from Scripture, and they're the difference. And the Bible itself talks about the difference between being 
an infant believer who has these solid foundational things versus somebody who has maturity and is pushed into wisdom and distinguishing good and evil, a deep knowledge of God's word and will, an assured faith that stands firm in times of trial and a continuous focus of the heavenward goal of God. So if you're here amongst us and you're believing in Jesus, that is awesome, but we see it as the mission of our church to not simply make sure that you continue to have the basics, but that we all together press on towards all of these things that are signs of maturity in Christ as well so we can come to the fullness of everything that God has for us. And we do this in Southeast Brisbane and beyond because the pattern in Scripture, uh, again and again, we see this in the early church in the book of Acts, is that we are witnesses for Christ in our local context. For them, it was Jerusalem. And then our broader context, Judea, Samaria, and to the whole ends of the earth. Some of us are going to go directly. Some of you in this room are going to travel to foreign countries. You know, some of you are going to go as far as the Gold Coast. It, that's fine too, okay? Wherever we go, we want to be proclaiming the gospel in whatever context that we've been call to, because again, it's to all nations that the gospel is meant to go, to every place, wherever we might be. All right, so that's our vision and our mission. Those are the big picture things. And then we'd say that we do these things in a culture that is intentional, authentic, welcoming, encouraging, and grace-filled. Now, this is one of the things we talk about that makes Living Church distinct from other churches. I don't mean that nobody else has culture. What I mean is, is that each church is gonna have its own culture, and it's a question of whether you're building that deliberately, whether you're being intentional about the culture that you're trying to build, or whether you just sort of let it happen and you don't try to have a lot of say in that. Now, as you'll see here, because one of our values is being intentional, we wanna be deliberate uh, about the culture that we have here. But let me, let me explain it uh, from a passage of Scripture here a little bit what it's like. So Paul writes in Corinthians, he says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give it encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now here's the thing I want to point out here, okay? Paul recognizes that there are going to be different gifts Okay? and that each of these are a gift from God. But because he talks about it in the subjunctive, he uses that if word, he recognizes that not everyone is going to have the same gifts, and in the same way, not every church is going to have the same gifts and culture also, because you know, the different giftings and things that we have create different spaces. And so what we're doing in sort of labeling these cultural things is as a church, when we put all this together uh, going back a couple of years, these were the things that we said, this is what makes us distinct as a church that we want to continue to proactively build. Now, again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this sort of stuff, but essentially we want to be intentional where we seek to be deliberate about what we do and why. Okay, it's not, it's not, it's always messy, but it's not chaos, Okay, different things are happening at different speeds. It's complex, so there's all sorts of different things happening, but we want to strive to make sure that things aren't happening for no reason or for bad reasons, but rather we're intentional in what we do. Just as Paul had plans, when he prayed, he saw a pattern of how these things were going to pray out. He was intentional in what he prayed. He was intentional in what he asked God for. He was intentional about what his goal was that he was working towards, and things would line up in accordance to try and achieve that. And so we want to make sure that we also are seeking to be intentional in what we're doing. Another big one for us is we want to be authentic. We seek to be genuine, real, and honest. It's truthfulness, yes, but it's, it's also 
you know, to put it in the negative, it, it's not putting on a face, it's not being fake, it's not playing a game, it's not being shallow, it's not pretending. It's being real with one another about where we're at so that we have an honest relationship with each other. So John says, dear children, let us not live with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Let's not have a disconnect between what we say and what we do. Jesus was, was fiercest on this point. You can go and read that chapter there in Matthew and you see how just for verse after verse, it's woe to you, teachers, the law and Pharisees. He, he is intensely critiquing them for their hypocrisy where they say one thing and they do another. And so we wanna be really deliberate and intentional as a church about being authentic, even if it means admitting when we're wrong. Even if it means owning the fact that we haven't lived up to the expectations we've set for ourselves even if it means doing the hard work of having to extend forgiveness and grace and working through the messiness that comes with our brokenness and sin, so be it, but way better for us to be authentic about it than to try and cover it up and play some sort of game where the, where the goal of the faith is to, to look like you're doing good and not let anybody in and see the real mess that we can sometimes be. So we wanna be authentic and make sure that our, what we say lines up with what, how we're actually living. We want to be welcoming. We seek to be warm, friendly, and hospitable in all of our ministries, not just at the front door, not just when you come in the, front, the first time, but anytime you join a team, anytime that you enter into a new group of people, anytime you come into any of our spaces, we want to make sure that we're warm and friendly and welcoming, that we accept one another where we are at, that, that we welcome people in, and we recognize that we all have flaws and weaknesses. That, that for every group here where there's somebody who you're, it's really easy to welcome them in, there's gonna be another person that's a challenge and we're gonna take that challenge on. There are some groups here where I walk in and, and it's like super welcome. Oh, so, you know, James is here, isn't that great? There's other groups where it's like, oh, this is awkward. <clears throat> cool. And I'm paid to be here, you know? I mean, we're all gonna have challenges at one point or another in, in terms of the, the welcome that we extend to each other the groups that we move in, the dynamics that we have. But for us, we wanna make sure that welcoming is not just about a smile at the front door, but something that we continue to see through all of the different groups that we have here in church together. And we wanna do so in a space that's encouraging. We seek to give courage to people through confidence, hope, and support. One of the most common verses, like just repeated again and again through scripture, is here from Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That verse just gets repeated again and again in different contexts through the scriptures, and the idea gets picked up again in the New Testament. It's the sense of, if the Lord is with us, what are we to be afraid of? And the very fact that the scriptures speak these words again and again gives us this picture of we're meant to be putting courage into one another. That's what encourage means. Put courage in. There's lots of challenges that we're gonna face in this place. There's lots of things that we're gonna be called to do that are gonna be hard and they're gonna be difficult. We're gonna have to work through things together, but we wanna do so with a spirit of encouragement where we keep encouraging one another to face the fears that we have to be brave and bold because the Lord is with us. Not because we're awesome, not because we're super talented, not because of all of our skills and giftings and because we look at every challenge and we just kick in the door and we're like, yeah, we're here, we can do this. No, no, no. We have courage and we encourage one another because the Lord is with us no matter what we're doing. 
And finally, we wanna have a culture that's grace-filled. We seek to live in grace and liberty according to the freedom that we have in Christ. We've been set free from the law. There's lots of wisdom in Scripture for how we are to live, but as we're gonna see as we work through the book of Galatians uh, starting in the second half of this term, one of the key things that's, that's at the core of the gospel is this idea that we have been set free from the curse of the law, that, that, that following the law is the key thing for us having a right relationship with God. Because of what Christ has done for us, He has set us free to live righteously. He set us free to do good. But the key thing is, is that we're not to be legalistic. We're not to be constantly judging one another. As Paul writes, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. We wanna do good, we wanna live righteously, but out of the spirit of freedom that we have in Christ, not out of some slavish obedience to the law as it once worked. And just as the last point here, a reminder that all of these things are built in our foundational values of being biblical, Christ-centered, and loving. All right, like I said before, our values, okay, give us these values give us clarity about what the core beliefs and our vision and mission are built on. All the stuff that we're talking about, we believe that we've taken it from the genius painter Jesus. We've taken the scriptures. We've thought about who we are as a people. We, we've, we've said these are the cultural things that we think fit here with us, and we're going to build in accordance with it, but it's all based upon what Christ has given us in his word. So when it comes to knowledge, we want to be biblical because that's how we know God, through the scriptures. When it comes to theology, we want to, be, we want to know God personally and particularly. And with ethics, we want to know how we live. And for each of those things, we get knowledge from the Bible. We get our theology from being Christ-centered. And our ethics are always driven by love. All right. Now, I know that's a lot for you guys to digest. The, ho the whole idea with going through this stuff at the start of every year, okay, is not necessarily for you guys to grab it in depth every single time we do it, but rather by staking this as something that's important to us each and every single year, it's a reminder that that's what we're trying to do in this place. Now, you guys will come across this stuff in lots of different spheres. You'll come across this stuff when you join us in our membership course, when we sit down to do connect chats and we talk about what we like as a church. All this stuff is in all those sorts of different spaces. When you're doing leaders training at the start of the year, for some of you, this is probably the third time you've heard some of this stuff already. But you know what? I don't care. That's great. Because it's the key that we want to keep looking back at the master painting's work and saying, okay, that's what we're trying to do. And so how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to paint by these numbers to try and get something that, that, that looks at least like what? we would hope Jesus would do. But at the same time as we're going to do this every single year, at different points as we evaluate how things are going and that sort of stuff, while we're going to try and, while we're always working on all of these different things, each year there's also going to be points of emphasis. Each year there's going to be things that we look at and we say, actually, you know what? We need to put some particular attention on this part of what we're doing because this isn't quite where we want it to be. If we're being intentional about all this stuff and we evaluate and say what's working, what's not, what do we need to be investing in, then there's times when we're gonna have to just be honest with ourselves, be authentic, and be say, actually, this part right here, we're not doing as well as we want to be. Again, if somebody's painting by numbers and it's like, that was meant to be blue, and you've made it red, it's like, actually, we need to be honest about that and try and figure that out. And even though it might not look perfect, we, we can't just leave it as it is, because that's gonna mess up what it's meant to look like. 
And so what I want to talk to you now about is our, our point of emphasis, emphasis for this year and explain just a little bit about why we want to make this the point of emphasis for ourselves as a church. So here are uh, some attendance numbers from last year. If you were at Church Life on Wednesday night, uh, went through with some of this stuff already. So our overall growth from 2022 to 2023, our average attendance across both services on a Sunday, okay, was 359 in 2023, 417. That's an increase of 14%. Now, if you want to look at this stuff in detail, uh, it's all in the annual congressional meeting reports that have been published online, so you can have a look at this. Uh, many of you know that there was still some COVID stuff hanging around at the start of the year, so that could have affected that. So if you just do a term-on-term comparison, so term four, 2022 to 2023, you can see we also jumped from 420 to 474 on average, which is an increase of about 12%. Now, some of you will know some church growth stats and all that sort of stuff. Let me tell you guys, that those are great numbers, right? 12% growth over the course of a year, that's a win. That's great. But we need to dig a little bit deeper to sort of understand what's happening here and what, what's, what's, it, what it's genuinely reflective of. Because you'll, you know, for those of you that are mathematicians, you can figure out uh, that the difference between those two numbers is 54 people. But when we as a staff team uh, looked at this and, and tried to look at everything that happened over the last year, as best as we could figure, of those 54 people, um, five of them were new believers. Five people came to faith for the first time in the last 12 months. Now, with kids and all that sort of stuff, we, we weren't really counting that, not because we don't believe those are genuine salvations, but because it's pretty messy, right? It's hard to sort of know and that sort of thing, and we wanted to sort of be as brutally honest as we could be. And so when you think about our growth in terms of people coming to Christ for the first time, that's like 1% to 2%. And that's not great. For us, that, that, that's, that's not where we want to be at as a church family. Now, obviously, we've done some work in terms of evaluating, do we think that that's because just the context that we're in could be really hard? Here's the deal. If you were, again, in Iran or Saudi Arabia or something like that, and you saw five people come to the Lord, you would rejoice that that is amazing in that context, okay? But right here where we are, we have a strong belief that we can do better and that we need to do better if we're going to faithfully reflect what our vision is actually saying that we're all about or what we're trying to be. Because like I said, we, we want to make disciples, and as we look at the early church, we see that they were always growing in number, sometimes thousands at a time. Now, and again, I'm not saying that it has to be exactly matching that picture, contexts are different, all that sort of stuff, but it's not 1% to 2%. It's not five people a year. Not for a church our size. And so if we want to be obedient to Jesus' commands, then we want to make sure that genuinely and sincerely we are committed to seeing more and more people come to Christ. Because, isn't it, as I'm going to go through over the next few weeks, because we're going to spend the next three weeks looking at this, what it looks like for us to, to, to be a people that are seeking to, to see the lost come to know the Lord, we, we need to make sure that, that this is genuinely what we want to be. And, and guys, I'm, I'm unapologetic about this. If you're not invested in seeing the lost come to know Christ, now I want to be careful here, okay, because I'm going to say a strong statement, but I want you to hear me right. I'm not talking about you being a super gifted evangelist. I'm not talking about you having all these awesome conversational skills. I mean like in whatever capacity and with whatever gifts that God has given you, 
If you are still not interested in seeing people come to know the Lord, then this place might not be the place for you. Now, some of you, your part is going to be to pray. Some of you are going to be right there telling people about Jesus face to face. Some of you are going to be supporting those who are really active in those sorts of ministries. We all have a part to play. I'm not suggesting that each of you need to be proclaiming the gospel out you know, on the streets and seeing hundreds of people come to know Jesus. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is that if in your heart this is just not something that you're interested in, then I will lovingly help you find another place to worship. That's how serious this is. That's how seriously we take it. Because in the grace and freedom that Jesus has given to us, he says, go therefore and make disciples. Proclaim the gospel. See them come into the kingdom. This is what we're meant to be as his people. It's a non-negotiable. Now, how we do that? All sorts of freedom. What that looks like for each of us, it's gonna be different in every single instance. And we're gonna talk over the next few weeks about what it can look like for us as a community to be doing it together. And it's my expectation that you guys are gonna be filled with hope. That whatever your experience previously when somebody stands up here and talks to you about telling people about Jesus and whatever baggage you bring along, and we all have it, that over the next few weeks as we paint a picture of what it's gonna look like here at church, you're gonna be encouraged and this is gonna be something that you feel like you can be a part of. But what I want to speak to you right now is, is, is our heart and that, that last point there about how the love of Christ compels us. Let me go through the, just that, in broader context, that last scripture there. This is Paul again, okay, from 2 Corinthians. He says, since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. Since we've come to a place where we respect the Lord and all that he's done for us, we hold him in awe, in fear and reverence, we try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. He's talking to the Corinthians, and he's concerned that all this talk about wanting to tell people about Jesus might lead them to believe that he's just, they're trying to make themselves look good. And he's like, there's another group that's trying to make themselves look good, but I'm just telling you this so you know what's inside our heart. And he says, if we are out of our mind, as some say, in trying to persuade others, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it's for you. If we look like we're crazy, it's because we're crazy for the sake of God. When we look like we're making sense to you, it's because we love you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died, Jesus Christ died for all, and therefore all died. We were dead in sin. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. We believe so strongly that we were all dead in our sins and that Jesus Christ came and conquered death that now we think that everyone should live for him. That's what it looks like when we say we're out of our mind. It, it seems crazy to believe this, but this is where we are at. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. We once thought as all of you think, we once thought as all those deniers think, but no more. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. That's how powerful a transformation this thing is. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Can you feel Paul building here? He's writing to these Corinthians. He's loved the Corinthians church. They were messed up, man. They, you go read Corinthians, they were into all sorts of sin, crazy stuff. He's like, at times, you guys are doing stuff that not even the pagans, not even the rest of the world are doing. And he rebukes them all in this letter to 1 Corinthians. He gets a really positive response back. And now in 2 Corinthians, he's just encouraging them to keep it up and to live well. And he's telling them again and again, this is what you're meant to be all about. Because of what we believe in Jesus, because of what we believe that he has done for us, we've now been given this awesome ministry of reconciliation ourselves. That just as Jesus has reconciled us to God, that that He is no longer counting our sins against us, we now have been given the privilege of having the same message to go and preach to others also. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is what I'm talking about when we say that the love of Christ compels us. Because this is my concern, guys. My concern is this. My concern is that as a staff team, as a board, as lots of you in leadership and all that sort of stuff, as we build these structures, as we run Friday nights, as we run playtime, as we put our heart into Sundays and running that well, as we as Youth Connect and Kids Connect and Kids Church, all the different things that are going on, we put time into it, we build it, we, we, we try to construct it in a way that it's all gonna work. But here's the thing. Unless the love of Christ compels us, all we've done is build a beautiful fireplace that's cold and dark and not being used for what it's meant for. Looks great. Walk into the living room. That is a beautiful fireplace and all I've got in it is a pot plant. It might look nice, but that's not what it's for. It's for fire and heat and warmth and light. And so we need to make sure that as we embark on this, and this is why, again, I'm saying this to you guys unapologetically because I don't want there to be any doubt This vision stuff, this mission stuff, we take it seriously. But we also understand that for all the the plans and and things that we put in place, unless the love of Christ compels us, it's going to be for nothing. And so at the start of the year, this is our opportunity as a body of believers to say to ourselves, am I in? Am I for this? Because it's not going to be easy. And if we're not up for the challenge, it's okay. It's that, but you might need to find another place because I'm not going to stop talking about this. We're not going to stop talking about this. This isn't going to change. You feel the love in that, right? Like that's. So, over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to be using a resource uh, by a guy named Sam Chan. Uh, used to work for uh, City Bible Forum doing you know, similar work to, to Isaac, actually, just in like workplaces and that sort of stuff. He's written this great book, and we're going to look at uh, some stuff from there under these three headings. Merging universes, what it looks to mix our, our non-Christian worlds and our church world together. What it looks like for us to be evangelistic in the sense of going out into the world, the people's things, and how we do that. And we're going to talk about the different layers of conversation that we have when it comes to proclaiming the gospel. And I'm telling you, as we work through this, you guys are going to be encouraged by the picture that's put forward, and you're going to think, hold on a second, I can do that stuff. Okay? 
And to help you through this year, like I said, this is a point of emphasis for us all year long when we run our workshops and our ministry, equipping, ministry and equipping training events, okay, we're going to be doing things like looking at what it looks like to tell the Bible story, to tell Bible stories in an evangelistic context, what it looks like for us to listen well so we can understand where people are coming from, and what some more practical mission skill training might look like and that sort of stuff. This is what we're committed to for this year, because we need to be authentic and real about the fact that we need to get better. That there's lots of, and guys, listen, there's lots of good things happening here. We wouldn't be growing, people wouldn't be joining us if lots of good stuff isn't happening. But this is the thing. There's an old saying. Good is the enemy of great. Now, I don't want to be great for my sake. I don't want us to be great for the sake of living church. I don't want us to be great for any selfish desire. Now, look, it gets mixed in there. We've got to constantly be honest and repent of that but I want to be great for Christ. Like, when I understand everything that he's done for me, the the, the fullness of, of all of it, what he's rescued me from, who am I to stand there and say, you know what, I, I'll, good's fine. Now again, there are seasons. We're not talking about being awesome all the time. That, that's not what we're talking about. Don't mishear me, Okay but a deep desire to keep working at being great, to keep getting better, to be honest enough to recognize where we need to improve, man, we need to be there all the time to keep seeking to be great for Christ's sake because whatever we do, we do it for the Lord. So let's pray now. Let's ask for the Spirit to be moving through us. Let's get excited about this point of emphasis for this year. And if you've got any questions, please come and talk to me. We'll chat. All right, love you guys. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus and all he's done for us. Thank you, Lord, that that he died so that none may perish. That he died, Lord, so that we might be set free from sin and death. That, Lord, he has reconciled us to yourself so that we might live, so that we might know you. And we pray, Father, as we, we, we think about our vision and our mission, that none of this would be would be dry, but Lord, rather it would inspire us. That we'd be excited to serve you and serve you in this place. Thank you for the privilege, Lord, that we, that we have to be your hands and feet. And even though we're like children in so many ways, trying to paint like it by numbers to, to replicate your great artwork, thank you so much, Lord, that, that you've given us these instructions that, that we can do anything that looks like what you would do. And in your grace and your mercy as your children, you, you love us as we seek to do that. And so we pray, Father, that we might live out this vision, mission, these culture scriptures for your glory and for the good of your people. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.